0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com
1: So I'll get back to local news. Hi, I'm Dawn Stensland. You can find me on Twitter at Dawn Stensland. And we'll talk about what's happening down south and with recovery and rescue efforts in Florida, of course. You know, a federal judge is now vowing to stop hiring law clerks from Yale Law School. So this is an interesting story that Matt found in uh, National Review had highlighted this. This is Judge James C. Ho of the U.S. Court of Appeals Fifth Circuit announcing yesterday he'll no longer be hiring law clerks from Yale Law School. No, first when I saw the headline, I said, oh, maybe he's a Harvard guy. Is that is that it, Matt? He's a Harvard guy like you.
0: I actually don't know
1: Um, if he is, then I definitely understand (laughs) why he wouldn't want to hire anyone from Yale. So Judge Ho, H.O., he was speaking as the keynote speaker to the Kentucky Chapters Conference of the Federalist Society and the title of his speech, Agreeing to Disagree, Restoring America by Resisting Cancel Culture. So, Judge Ho cited a number of high-profile examples of speakers being shouted down or otherwise censored at law schools across the country. But he singled out Yale Law School as one particular law school where cancellations and disruptions seem to occur with special frequency. And so, you've heard me talk about this. You've heard I've you know interviewed some of the the victims of this kind of cancel culture. But the judge says here, Yale not only tolerates the cancellation of views, it actually practices this. And uh, he, according to prepared remarks and National Review, is saying that this is their exclusive. In other words, that they uh, received the prepared remarks and they're quoting the judge's statements. So he said, starting today, I will no longer hire law clerks from Yale Law School. I hope other judges will join me as well. And Judge Ho has made waves in the past for his outspoken criticism of left-wing campus culture. So back in February, in the wake of Georgetown Law's suspension of uh, Ilya Shapiro, The judge surprised the audience at a federal society organized event at Georgetown Law's campus by giving a resounding defense of Shapiro during that speech that was initially intended to be about originalism. I think at the time I had talked about this, but uh, the judge delivered blistering criticism of the campus attitudes that at that time had led to Shapiro's ouster arguing that cancel culture is not just antithetical to our constitutional culture and our American culture, but to the very legal system that each of us seeks to join. And so he declared that if Shapiro is deserving of cancellation, then you should go ahead and cancel me too. (laughs) Doing that little me too line, which was clever. But his half hour address to the Kentucky Federalist Society Conference sounded some similar notes arguing that all too often law schools appear to be run by the mob, uh, whether it's out of sympathy or spinelessness. And the bigger problem, the judge worries out loud that our entire country has now become a campus, if you will, with academic trends trickling out into the mainstream American society. So cancel culture, he, you know, talks about is also deeply embedded in journalism, entertainment, sports and the arts. And the consequences are significant in many different ways. So the judge says he contends that cancel culture is one of the leading reasons citizens no longer trust a wide variety of once leading institutions. I think this is beautifully said by judge ho and i'm glad he's speaking out about it and i've talked a lot about this that it's it's a culture of then intimidating people and what happens you go in the closet but also during those college years one of the points of going to college those late night times when you sit and you eat pizza and you just discuss you talk talk amongst yourselves like the saturday night live bit but seriously and and you listen to one another share ideas and it's beautiful it's great, and it's it is a celebration of our American democracy and freedom of speech. But in this case, um, Judge Ho really zeroed in on the specific instances of cancel culture at Yale, and talks about, for example, uh, Judge Bill Pryor disrupted by loud, angry law students in the classroom. Remember this, Kristen Wagoner of the Alliance Defending Freedom, Monica Miller of the American Humanist Association, all faced those disruptions that became so intense. Police officers had to ultimately call for backup and escort the panelists out of the building and into a squad car while the associate dean who was there throughout the entire event did nothing, and then Yale administrators had to threaten to destroy the career of a law student and ultimately sent an invitation for a, a party that referred to his apartment as a trap house if the student didn't apologize telling him that his membership in the federal society was very triggering for students i mean law students being triggered and we've covered all of this and again we've done interviews and all of that but you know the judge saying it turns out that when elite law schools like Yale teach their students That there are no consequences to their intolerance and illiberalism, the judge writes, the message sticks with them. Good for you, Judge Ho. And talking about, he goes on about, you can read it, it's nationalreview.com. It's a, a terrific article that thinks about the recent history of this, but setting the tone for other law schools and for the legal profession at large and says that he certainly reserves the right to add other schools in the future. But his sincere hope, he he starts ending with this, his sincere hope uh, that he won't have to. And his sincere hope is, ultimately, they're going to get the message. But I say, this is great. And this is the kind of speech that we need to hear more of. And so I'm thankful that he's, he's willing to do this. When we talk about justices quickly here, I want to just talk about, Justice Alito. This is at the SCOTUS level, the Supreme Court of the United States. Justice Alito pushing back after his fellow Justice Kagan questions the Supreme Court's legitimacy. So listen in. This is uh, Justice Justice Elena uh, K- uh, Elena Kagan, I should say, and she's speaking at what at uh, Regina University in Rhode Island. There, describing the difference between law, policy, and politics. So. Let's listen into this.
2: And I'm curious if you can describe for us the difference between law, uh, policy, and politics. Yeah, well, there should be a big difference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear knowing laughter, which I guess is 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 not to say that there always is. That there are times when, um, the, the, but, but but there shouldn't be. I mean, in our system, there are many uh, subject matters that uh, present policy issues and that also present legal issues, but the legal issues should be understood as very distinct from the policy issues. So, uh, so you can think something is really good policy, but it turns out—I mean, just to sort of focus on constitutional law—you um, know—it turns out that what is good policy is not permitted by the constitution, or uh, you can think something is uh, really bad policy. But it is permitted by the Constitution so if Congress has happens to disagree with you on whether it's uh, bad or good policy uh, a judge has to know her place and so uh, you know there are Uh, I come from the world of law schools, and in the world of law schools, there are plenty of people who say law is politics, politics is law. Uh, I think nothing could be further from the truth. I think it's really important that there be a divide between the two. I think uh, a court does best when it keeps to uh, the legal issues, when it doesn't allow uh, personal political views, personal policy views, to affect or infect its judging and um, uh, the worst moments for the court have been times when judges have allowed that to happen when uh, you know the very worst moments have been time when judges have even essentially reflected one parties or one ideologies set of views um, uh, and, uh, uh, in their legal decisions. I mean, that just can't and shouldn't happen, uh, that there has to be a, a, a strong distinction between the two, and the judges have to know their own role.
1: Ironic, isn't it? Her words, and especially the final words, know your role. Justice Samuel Alito had pushed back on Kagan's attempts to discredit the court in comments. And I, we told you about this at the time. Um, he made comments to the Wall Street Journal. He did not name her directly. I've always been comforted by the fact that the justices are a tight-knit group. They have each other's back. Um, they, they work together and they're very friendly. And I think that I hope that continues and they don't become as divisive and political. But um, I know that Justice Sam Alito had, in fact, pushed back on this. It, he, his comment was this. It goes without saying everyone is free to express disagreement with our decisions and to criticize our reasoning as they see fit. But saying or implying that the court is becoming an illegitimate institution or questioning our integrity crosses an important line. He's exactly right. And recent polling shows that steep decline in public trust. Of, well, a whole lot of inst- institutions, as we've talked about, but especially the high court. There was a Gallup poll recently this summer showing that just 25% of all Americans say they're confident in the institution. This is talking specifically about SCOTUS and the Supreme Court of the United States. And that was uh, down from 36% even in 2021. A lot of people are pointing to uh, that recent decision such as Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade, which, of course, as we know, is an issue of states' rights versus what is actually physically in the Constitution. And so I wish that Justice Kagan would have taken a moment to explain that. And she could have even said, hey, you know, she hopes that Congress will take this up, that that, in other words, um, elected officials could could push for, for example, a constitutional amendment and put abortion rights in there, okay? That's what is not in there. I wish she would have taken a moment to explain the importance of states' rights, but she didn't. And that is what, that's unfortunate. It really, it, because I, I don't want to see the court become so politicized and lose that credibility because the law matters, justice matters. And so there's a pathway certainly to make, to, to change the constitution. If that's what if that's what they want to do. And of course, that's why, as you all know, um, the upcoming midterms are so important because hanging in the balance we have here in Pennsylvania, our election for the open seat now being opened by, of course, Senator Pat Toomey, who's retiring. This is an opportunity for the, the balance to be at stake here. Who will who will control the Senate? Will it be Republicans? Will it be the Democrats? Hanging in the balance. Your vote matters, and every single vote matters.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.